Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I'm Virgil Walker. I'm joined today by Josh Bice and Scott Annual. Uh, man, it's a joy to be with you. I'm extremely excited uh, for what we're going to talk about today. In fact, truth be told, I know that this will be a, a, a much-watched podcast. Not because we're here. I mean, that'll be a part of it, right? But at the end of the day, it's really because of the subject matter that we're going to dive into. Uh, It's with that that I'm going to turn things over to Josh to kick us off with regard to our subject today. Yeah, well, it's it's always a privilege to be here together with you guys and to be able to share this time with you as well. We want to talk about an important subject, and I'm just going to say right up front, I know we're going to get mail over this. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) And it's not always going to be nice mail. Yeah. Uh, but years ago, if you'll remember back, um, Mel Gibson produced a blockbuster film. It was it was called The Passion of the Christ. I remember that film well. In fact, I remember a lot of churches were encouraged to cancel their their worship services wow. and, and like, show the film. Yeah, well, just go wow. or, or go to or the go movie to theater, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and <laughs> wow. sit down, you know, with your church. A lot of churches are in movie theaters. Yeah. So, you know. Well, well, that was the start of the trend, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But but the idea was is that you know that they would reserve a place at the theater. They right. would invite friends and family. It would be very evangelistic. There were going to be like hundreds, if not thousands, of people that would come to Christ right. because of this film. And it was a portrayal of the you know the the last moments of Jesus's life here you know on earth in his earthly ministry. Mm-hmm. Very graphic portrayal of the crucifixion. Yeah. Very emotional, stirring film. And really, it, it shocked the world. Mm-hmm. If you'll remember back to that film, it was uh, a lot of people in Hollywood, they sort of yawned at the, at the fact that this was going to take place. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was really the, the eighth highest grossing domestic film of all mm. time wow. at that moment. Wow. And it, it caused a lot of people to start talking about a very important subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah which is the very subject that we want to talk about today. But, but leading up to that, what we want to talk about today is, is the chosen. Yeah. And this is sort of the new thing. This is really taking the church by storm. Mm-hmm. And as we think about the connection to, say, The Passion of the Christ, which I actually heard that they're actually working on a sequel to it, so, so I, yeah, like, and, and it's not is it, like, is it like the return like, is like he's coming again or no, no, it's not like the, it's not like the sequel in the <laughs> sense of like, as we think of sequel, but, but yeah, but, but more of like the, the next, the passion of the Christ. And so I don't really know. I wonder if they're playing it. off the success of the chosen. Probably. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. But you really can't go any place, whether it's a quote unquote Christian bookstore you can't really be online looking, you right. know, for like Christmas gifts or birthday gifts or whatever it might be without running across the chosen. Yeah. Very popular right now. Yes. And so we want to have a conversation about why this is so important mm-hmm. because it's more than just, well, are they getting the theology right? That right. uh, There's an awful lot to unpack here. We're going to talk about some important things related to the chosen today. And so... Guys, where yeah. do you want to start? Yeah, well, I think there's, I think there's three things that we kind of need to look at uh, as it relates to the subject matter of of the chosen. There are three kind of primary problems. Mm-hmm. There are a number of things that we can talk about that, that are offshoots of this, uh, but the three primary problems. And initially, uh, it, it's the it's the Mormon problem, mm-hmm. right? We've yeah. got we've got the issue of Mormonism, and and I'll, I'll unpack that a bit. Uh, we've got the issue of the second commandment violation. 
uh, that that we kind of need to look at and and examine uh, through a biblical lens. Why is that important? Uh, what needs to be thought through as we're dealing with this particular issue? And then and then finally, just to, just I think folks have a lack of understanding as it relates to art and media and, and right. the, its influence, its impact, and and how we respond to it. So let, let me start with the the issue of the Mormon problem. I kind of I kind of teased it out with uh, the producers of the movie mm-hmm. or, or, or those who are who are promoting the movie. Uh, it's it's uh, the Mormon Church, not the Mormon Church. It's the folks who are connected uh, with with the Mormon Church. Uh, they are producing this. They're pushing it out well, on it's VidAngel. It's VidAngel, right? Which and, is, yeah. and 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 the idea that they're that they're really promoting is uh, the idea that there. Are are additional stories that you can add to Scripture uh, that tell the story of Jesus. I think initially the thought was the problem with the Mormon connection as it relates to this movie was uh, Mormon doctrine would be infused. And and we do have an issue there. I think it was the the last uh, episode uh, during the Christmas time uh, what we saw was uh, a reference to 3 Nephi, right? Uh, I believe it was 3 Nephi 15.9 that actually had the quote there where, where he says, uh, Jesus says, or the, the character says, <laughs> I am the law. Right. I am the law. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's a problem because, A, it comes out of not the Bible, but it comes out of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondarily, uh, there, there are a lot of theological issues to be addressed as it relates to that. But, but even, even with that said, the, the, the Mormon peace or the, the Mormon doctrine component is not infused throughout. The bigger issue is, like the Book of Mormon, the, 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 uh, the writers are taking liberties in the storyline mm-hmm. uh, that aren't in Scripture. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, that's, that's the bigger issue uh, as it relates to the Mormon connection. As you guys think through this, uh, relating to Mormonism and, and, how, and, and its impact, how are you seeing this thing flesh yeah. out? Well, I agree completely. I, I actually think it's 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 both and mm-hmm. it's you you have this this issue of adding to the biblical narrative. Right. Uh, I do think that there also is Mormon theology infused in, and we can talk about that later as well. But with this particular example, where Jesus, you know, the character of Jesus actually mm-hmm. quotes, you know, Jenkins kind of came out and said, "Oh, well, I, you know, I didn't really take it from there. You know, right. it, it's just a cool line, and I think it's a theologically plausible line." Right. Was his was right. his statement? Right. Well. Theologically plausible, and what is actually in the Word of God, this is the issue. And I think mm-hmm. you nail it on the head. It actually is an infusion of Mormonism right. because they're not, they don't believe that the Bible is the only source of revelation. It's not, it's not a close yeah. canon. We're, we're allowed to add these other narratives, right. yeah. which is exactly what the chosen then becomes. Yeah. Right. It becomes this additional narrative. Right. One of the things that I, I noted, uh, I watched as I, as I prepped and got ready for this particular uh, conversation, uh, it was our, our friend Allie Stuckey did an interview and a great interview. We love her and, and what she's doing. Uh, and, and I think she tried her best to kind of hold uh, Jenkins' feet to the fire uh, on some issues. And she's she's was incredibly gracious in her approach. Uh, I, I would have loved to have kind of nailed down some of the things that, that he said. Uh, he kept using, and you, 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 uh, you alluded to it, he kept using the term, what we think about is, uh, is, is what we're saying in the storyline 
plausible, mm-hmm. right? right? That that was that was kind of the running thread. Is it plausible? Is it plausible that that this character could have this kind of uh, ailment or disease? Is it plausible that this these kinds of things could happen? The the problem with that is, I, I would watch him speak out of both sides of his neck, so to speak. On the one end, he would say, "Hey, this isn't the Bible. Right. This isn't Scripture." And then the mid, the middle ground was. Could what we it could what we're we're putting together could what you know what we're wanting to put together be plausible? Mm-hmm. So you have scripture, and then you outside of that you have what could be plausible, uh, and, and then they're saying, well, that we, our, what we're doing is not scripture. Yeah. At the same time, he would provide stories where he would say people are coming to Jesus as a result of watching the show. Well, if they're coming to Jesus, the question has to be asked. What Jesus exactly. are they coming yeah, to? Right. Yeah. Uh, what, wh- who's the Jesus that they're that they're aligning with? Is it the Jesus that they've created out of the plausibilities that are available to them, or are we talking about the biblical Jesus? Because yeah. at the end of the day, that matters. I think that that is the issue uh, as we think about this conversation, because it doesn't matter if we're talking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints or if we're talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses, or if we're talking about the Roman Catholic Church, all of these various different cults, they have their own Jesus. And and so the question becomes this, how would we even know who Jesus is Mm -hmm. if it were not for the you know the the, the very word of That's God right. the scriptures right. and so really this is an attack on and I hate to beat this drum but it's an attack on the sufficiency of scripture right. the drum worth beating <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. but we think about this issue of like again what Jesus are we talking about right. it's their Jesus right and so if we really want to put on display who Jesus is what Jesus taught and the true gospel then we must be committed not to a story that's plausible, right. but to the theology that's actually revealed in the pages of Scripture. Right. So right. this is a very important point. The problem is what has become apparent is that Jenkins doesn't believe that there's a different Jesus right. between the more the LDS church and evangelical Christianity. Yeah. We want to actually play... Uh, the, the statement that Jenkins made himself and interacted with it a bit. So, so, so we're not caricaturing. that This is from an interview that Jenkins did in May of 2020 with a Mormon. So the Mormon is interviewing him, talking about the Chosen. And in the midst of that uh, interview, uh, this, is, this is the portion that has stirred up uh, a lot of controversy, and rightly so, because it's clear that Jenkins doesn't believe we have a different Jesus going on. So here's the clip. So it's been, I, I can honestly say it's been one of the top three most fascinating and beautiful things about this project has been my growing brother and sisterhood with people of the LDS community that I never would have known otherwise and learning so much about, um, about your, your faith tradition um, and realizing, gosh, for all the stuff that maybe we don't see eye to eye on, that all happened, that's all based on stuff that happened after Jesus was here. Um, the stories of Jesus, we do agree on, and we, we love the same Jesus. Um, that's not something that you often hear. Sometimes it's like, oh, you, uh, they that's believe in a different Jesus than we do. Statement. Yeah. No, it's the same. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sink or swim on that statement, and, I, and it's controversial, and I... Um, I don't mind getting criticized at all for the show, and I don't mind being called a blasphemer. I don't like it when my friends are, 
And um, I've made it very clear that um, if I go down, if I go down, I'm going down swinging, protecting my friends and my, my brothers and sisters. And so, and so, so to be clear there, when he says protecting his friends, his brothers and sisters, he's talking about his LDS friends. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't believe that they are worshiping a different Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when the Pope made the statement that, you know, the Christians, when we worship Yahweh and when, you know, someone that's a, a Muslim worships Allah, that we're worshiping the same God, this is the, the foundational argument between, you know, cults and Christianity, right? right? We're not praying to the same God. Right. And like, you know, when you talk to a Freemason and they talk about the fact that they're praying to the, the great architect of the universe, that's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. And for him to say he doesn't mind being called well, a blasphemer, blasphemer right? that's indicative of the fact that this is not a Christian. Right. Because all Christians would, would fear that. Absolutely. Uh, the, the law of God would cause us to fear blaspheming God. Yeah. This is yeah. a serious problem. It, it is. What, what, you've got the issues of the Mormon Jesus, uh, who is the spirit brother of, of Satan. Uh, you've got a, a Jesus that uh, that that you know was was eternal uh, in the past, but 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 not God uh, would become God. You've got all kinds of issues as it relates to who the Mormon Jesus actually is, and so for him not to see the differences, and if we if we if we is is problematic. But if we were if we were to use his idea, his ideology, his the, the way that he's writing the script for this sh- for his shows. The question would have to be asked: Is the Mormon Jesus plausible? <laughs> right? If, if theologically if, and biblically, if if, if yeah. the Mormon Jesus is plausible, then the Mormon Jesus, fully represented, would be fine to worship, mm-hmm. ac- according to Dallas Jenkins. And so I'm looking at it thinking: If if plausibility is the is the is the plumb line. Uh, for a the show, b the Jesus that we present to the world, we've got problems. Yeah, we've got big problems, and and they're they're issues that we've got to wrestle with. We don't want plausibility. We want faithfulness to the sufficient, inerrant, inspired Word of God. There's Absolutely. there's a way in which God chose to reveal Himself. That's right. In and through the Word. And through and through the incarnation of and Christ, and he did not choose the Book of Mormon to do that. Right? No, he didn't. He chose his word. Absolutely. Right. And and we, if if we're serious about our faith and and its presentation to the world, we've got to take those kinds of things into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the, the problem I have is I, I don't sense that. The other thing I'll say, Scott, is this: it seems to me that depending upon the audience uh, that Dallas is in front of, yeah. he will say one thing. Yep. Uh, in an effort to kind of, you know, curry favor with that audience. Yeah. But then in front of another audience, like I said, I, I watched the interview with, with he and, and, and Ali Beth. He, he walked that back a bit. You know, he tried to kind of. But, but even there in that interview, he made the statement, well, I'm not saying all Mormons love the same Jesus because, you know, Baptists don't believe the same thing about everything, and Mormons don't believe the same thing about everything. Well, yeah, Baptists don't believe the same thing about everything on tertiary issues, not on who Who Jesus Jesus is is. and what the gospel is. LDS, they might have their own tertiary quabbles among them, but they do agree on who Jesus is and what the gospel is, and it is not the biblical Jesus, and it is not the biblical gospel. Yeah, Yeah. this is not a difference between Presbyterians and Baptists. 
You know, so to be very clear, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not another denomination right. within Orthodox Christianity. Right, right. right. Well, at, at the end of the day, you know, we've got to recognize as we watch people take God's word and, and manipulate it for their own purposes, that, that God is, is sovereignly in control of it all. He He sees it. He's not caught off guard by it. But it's important for us to talk about. One of the things I, w- I want to pause here for just a second and, and really push the idea of, of folks coming to our conference on the on the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That was a God. pretty smooth transition. Did you like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a conference that you do not want to miss. As we look across the country and listen to uh, what people are saying, the issues that are there, the cultural issues uh, that are out there, one of the things that we're finding time and time again is an absolute onslaught, an assault on, on the sovereignty of God. Uh, we at G3 want to pause for just a moment at our national conference, encourage you to come and join us September 21st through the 23rd, right here in Atlanta for our national conference. We've got incredible speakers. Uh, the, the lineup is everything that you've come to expect with a G3 conference. It's something you won't want to miss. You'll want to tell your family and really get a reset on all of these issues uh, as we navigate them. Go to g3men.org, register today. Uh, We'd love for you to join us here in September. Uh, With that said, I I know we talked about the issue of of Mormonism and and how that's impacted uh, the chosen and and what people are saying about it. I think the other issue that is out there uh, that we need to consider are are the issues of the second commandment. And Mm. and while the second commandment is an issue, there are a, a multiplicity of issues within that uh, that I believe that the chosen violates. Josh, why don't you tee that up for us? Yeah, I think that this is critical to the conversation. The second commandment says that you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. And so when you think about the issue of the second commandment, uh, we really need to go back and think critically about, okay, now, where do we begin this conversation and a commitment to the second commandment? I really think if you go back to the Garden of Eden and you find Adam and Eve there in paradise, God had established this this wonderful world, and here's Adam and Eve, and they're in, in God's paradise. And God had provided for them, you know, everything that they needed. They had fellowship with God. They walked with God. They had communion with God, fellowship with God. It was an unbroken, unstained by sin relationship. And the very moment that the serpent slithered his way into the garden and brought about this temptation uh, there to Eve and then, of course, to Adam as well, what we find is it really wasn't a temptation, if you think about it, based on the the color and the beauty of the fruit. Right. It wasn't temptation based on the taste of the fruit. They had never tasted it. Right. The temptation was centered on really this foundational truth. Is God enough? Man, that's good. And God was enough. Yeah. And he had provided everything that they needed. And yet there was this one tree, this one fruit on that tree that God had had sectioned off and fenced off and said, do not touch or eat of that, uh, of that very fruit. Mm. And so when, when they're tempted, really they're tempted 
to, to walk away from God. Right. Because, you know, God was indeed everything that they needed. Right. And so moving from there, you just survey all of, you know, the history of God's people. And what you see is that the, the historical temptation and sin that plagued God's people has been idolatry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think about here's Moses up on the mountain with with God, and the people of God are down, you know, encamped outside and away from the mountain, and and here comes Moses off of the mountainside with the tablets, and and what does he find? He finds the people of God. They are there, and they had fashioned unto themselves right. a golden calf, right. and they are worshiping what? Yahweh. They are not worshiping the golden calf. Right. They are worshiping Yahweh right. through this golden calf. Right, exactly right. This is idolatry. Well, for, for, for them, I guess, again, the, the, the plumb line being, is this plausible? Right? Is, is, is the golden calf plausible? Yeah, they were, shri- they were trying to show honor to Yahweh yeah. with this apis bull, this strong, yeah. mighty animal. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, here they are worshiping a, a golden calf, <laughs> believing that, that what they had crafted was plausibly mm-hmm. Yahweh. Yeah. yeah, and then and then if we if we fast forward all the way throughout the history of God's people, you come over into the New Testament and you see the church, you know, and how we worship God, it matters. Mm-hmm. And so now today we we live in a world that's, you know, we're we're just consistently, you know, finding ourselves under a barrage of images and graphics mm-hmm. and movable Very images. Visual and, culture. Yeah. yeah, billboards on the side of the interstate and just everything. I mean, we, we open up our computers, there are images there, graphics mm-hmm. that are just trying to, you know, entice us to buy this or right. look at this or right. click on this, right? And then we go to church and we think, we, in order to worship God, have to have a certain graphics package, mm-hmm. or we have to have at Christmas time, in order to really truly worship God, we have to have this wonderful nativity scene right. in our homes or on the screens With the three or out wise front men. of With the, the three church. Wise men. Only three. <laughs> On camels, <laughs> right, right, with right. their, you know, with, with their individual little gifts, right, 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 right. But we think that we have to have this image of Jesus at some level. Now, again, this is important because, you know, as people, as Christians in particular, watch the chosen. They think that they might be actually, you know, helping their faith, right, right. helping, you know. Ma- maybe have a better understanding of of knowing who God is, who Christ is, so that they can know him better, worship him uh, better. And, and I think this is, it, it, it all comes back to this commandment. Yes. Right. And the question becomes this, and this is where we're going to get a lot of mail, I, I really believe, is, is this permissible? Not plausible, sure. but permissible. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so again, Rather than coming to this conversation with what does God allow us to do, we need to ask ourselves, what does God prescribe in his word? Yeah. And then is it is it something that he has said, like back to the Garden of Eden, this one fruit, you don't need to eat of this one fruit. Now, when it comes to the worship of Christ, do we have a word that's sufficient mm-hmm. or do we need an image mm-hmm. to worship Christ? Yeah. And, and in this case, I mean, the, the commandment, explicitly forbids it. I think a lot of people, when they think of the Ten Commandments, the first one, you shall you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. The second one, you shall not make for yourself graven images. They think that God sort of stuttered, and the second commandment is the same thing. Right. All the second commandment is saying is don't worship a false god. Right. No, that's taken care of in the first commandment. The second commandment is explicitly forbidding 
any visual representations of God. And what people often say is, well, I'm not, I'm not worshiping that image of Jesus, or I'm not worshiping the actor, or I'm not worshiping the Jesus in the, in the nativity scene. Uh, but in reality, their, their image of who God is it's, is being shaped by that image. Yeah. And I think you nailed it right on the head, Josh, in, in setting the context and the fact that, as Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories. Right. Yeah. That this is why God forbade images, because we naturally gravitate towards worshiping the visible, physical thing that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. He is not to be represented in those visual images. And this is this is the standard Reformed view throughout history. Yeah. Yeah. No visual, vis, visual images. Yeah. Uh, Calvin explicitly says about the second commandment, God has forbidden two things— the making of any picture of him, and that no image may be worshipped. Everybody agrees on the second one, but he's right. God forbids any visual representation of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When, when, I, when I listen to, again, Dallas Jenkins talk about this particular issue, it's, it's the have your cake and eat it to approach, right? It's the I'm not, I'm, I'm not telling anyone to worship Jesus or to worship the Jesus that's, that's in, you know, right. in, in the episodes. Uh, this is not the Bible. And then on the other end, it's people are coming closer to Jesus as a result. And a large part of his audience, which is it's problematic in my mind for Christians to be drinking this down, if you if you will. But the reality is the larger segment of his audience are non-believers. Yeah. These these are people who 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 don't have a biblical reference. Now, I, as I was was preparing, I'd looked at uh, statistics to show how many uh, Christians are actually reading their Bibles. Uh, and and when you when you look at the, the at the numbers, the low number of Christians who actually go through their Bible. This is a brand new year. People are starting their their Bible reading plans that they won't finish by the mm-hmm. end of the year. But 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 y- fewer and fewer people are reading their Bibles. And as a result, it goes back to what you were saying, Scott. They gravitate towards toward a, a quick fix. Here's right. here's a quick image that I can relate to, uh, identify, and then and then you know uh, frame my thought process yeah. around who God is or who Christ is based upon that. Yeah. When when that's when the reality is that that's not the plan. And they they say we're not worshiping that actor, we're not worshiping that Jesus, but but they do see say things like. But my relationship with him is far more sweet. I've grown to love and know God more, not because they read the word or sat under the preaching of the word or were in corporate worship with the regular means of grace, but because of this TV show that is shaping their theology, like you said, especially Mm -hmm. they're not reading the Bible. It's shaping their theology even more than the word of God is. Well, we have a word for that. It's called pragmatism. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And it leads right. us away from the Word of God. See, the culture is consistently trying to deform our worship mm-hmm, of God. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we if we bow to this, it's going to reshape how we worship God. Yeah. And so either the culture is is where we learn to worship God or or it's the Word of God that teaches right. us and instructs us yep. and provides for us the proper boundaries, yeah. the prescriptions for how we worship God. Yeah. Again, a lot of people are going to say when they hear this episode or watch this or consume this, whether it be on YouTube or whether it be through just you know the, the download of the podcast in audio form, they're going to hear us and they're going to be tempted to think, well, here's G3 just being mean G3 here, right? <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, you're so strict. I mean, even R.C. Sproul did not hold to that position, right? Mm -hmm. Well, again, yes, there have been some variations of opinion on this issue, Mm -hmm. but the issue is not what does 
a certain you know individual say. Mm-hmm. It really comes back to what does God's word say, right? And so then a lot of people are going to say, well, what does that mean about my children's Bible that I have at home? Yep. You know that with, I read with, with my children, right, right? Right? You know it has all these wonderful graphics. You know the the ark with all of the giraffes. You know with their head out the window, <laughs> right. and and then fast forward a little bit, and then you have Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's always you know the. The Caucasian Jesus with long hair and blue eyes and all I like, of that. I like the Caucasian Jesus. Do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reality is, is Scott, you mentioned this and you quoted Calvin, but the historic Reformed position has been that we do not use images to worship God. Right, right. Any image, right. which includes the children's That's right. Bible version, mm-hmm. the nativity scene, as harmless as that may seem to be, mm-hmm. Uh, but but the reality is we should not be using these these images these graphics to no. worship the Lord. Now listen to what Thomas Watson says uh, in his commentary on the Ten Commandments. He says, and he's talking about the Roman Catholic Church. This is what he says: Go not into their chapels to see their crucifixes or hear mass. As looking on a harlot draws to adultery, so looking on the Roman Catholic gilded picture may draw to idolatry. <laughs> wow. Wow. Again, this goes back to the foundational, the foundational sin and temptation of God's people has been what? Idolatry. Right. It has plagued the people of God uh, from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and it continues to do so even in the church today. That's right. yeah. Th- this is, in my mind, Josh, you mentioned, you know, hey, this is just strict mean G3. I- I'm looking at this from a standpoint of here's an opportunity if if you're willing to be uh, t- to hear a warning. Mm. To, to, to hear a clear warning as as we're witnessing large swaths of the culture, you know, uh, embrace this, you know, this this movie, uh, th- these episodes, you know, this is a time for pause mm-hmm. and, and for us to provide some biblical support, uh, historic account fr- from a from a standpoint of, of theology to say this is not what the church did. This is not right. what the church is, has, has historically believed. Right. And, and, and the true reformed position looks like this. Right. Uh, it, and it, it more and more as as I witness what's happening, fewer and fewer people are willing to to be taught anymore. Yeah, uh, we, we don't have a teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no, I like this, and so if you say anything about it, I there's no way I can take a pause and listen to. This what's is why been it's said. so volatile on social media. Yeah. I mean, you started at the beginning. You just we were joking earlier today. You could t- just tweet the chosen, and it's going to explode yeah. because, like you said, people love it. Right. They, they, they love what they love. Right. And isn't that evidence in and of itself of yeah. the idolatry that's driving the whole conversation? Yeah. I think so. And, and again, we want to be very clear. Like even I mentioned Sproul a moment ago, one of my heroes. We're not saying that if you have a nativity scene or that if you have a children's Bible in your home with a picture of Jesus, that you're going to hell. Right. We're not right. saying that. Right. But what we are saying is that we believe that, the, the, you know, again, a, a firm commitment to the second commandment will teach us to be very much consistent in how we worship right. God, that we are being shaped by the word, the word is sufficient. And so we really don't need all these additives. That's right. We really just need to know who the proper Jesus is. Right. And he's been revealed to us in the pages of God's and word. That's the key. The key is the authority and sufficiency of scripture. And let, let me recommend a book on that very topic. How's that for a segue? That was a little <laughs> nice. quick. 
Uh, but uh, published by G3 Press, and this actually, one of the things I love about this book ties into exactly our conversation. So this will also be a really smooth seg- uh, segue to our final segment. Good. Uh, but this is The Conservative Church Preserving and Transmitting Biblical Christianity by David DeBrain. David is a South African pastor. Uh, and by conservative, this is not talking about conservative politics. Mm-hmm. This is talking about conservative Christianity, mm. and which is not just, you know, uh, uh, Amish strict, you know, uh, fundamentalism even. This is, by conservative, what he means is being faithful to the authority of Scripture. Right. What What does it take for pastors, for parents, for church leaders to conserve biblical Christianity and then pass that on to the people in the pews and, and folks in the congregation? And one of the things that I love about this book, it's divided into three sections, talking first about orthodoxy, what we believe, and orthopraxy, how we live. Mm -hmm. But what's unique about this book is the third section, and that is orthopathy, Mm -hmm. how we love, how we, you could put it this way, how we imagine what God is like. Mm -hmm. And the question, what is shaping our hearts and our imagination of God? Let me read you uh, one quote here that is going to tie into our discussion. David says, The pastor who wishes to see affections properly shaped in his people must think carefully about such matters as the poetry and the lyrics of our songs, the music used in worship, the religious artwork we use, Mm. and he says, in our Sunday school material, for example, the themes and motives adopted in our children's discipleship, the motives we give people, young and old, to serve Christ, down to how we design our place for corporate worship. This is not merely decorative, stylistic matters. They provide precisely the kind of analogies of who God is. And mm-hmm. he's talking about exactly what, what you mentioned about. a moment ago, Josh. Uh, the, the, these images form and shape our conception of who God is. Yes. And this is really, I think, the, the third issue of concern that, that I have about The Chosen and that is a lack of understanding about what media is is doing, what art is doing. Because guys like Jenkins and even people who watch the show will say, well, I'm not getting my theology from that. I'm getting my theology from Scripture. I'm not worshiping that Jesus. Or they might say Mormon theology is not shaping. Failing to recognize that art embodies meaning and values and theology. Uh, so you've got this actor portraying Jesus, even if he were just reciting the words of the Bible which he's not. He's reciting the Book of Mormon. Right. But even if he were just reciting the Bible, acting is art, and it's embodying an interpretation of what he's saying. Right. So even if he's just saying, you know, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the way that the actor is portraying that text has meaning, and it's meaning that goes beyond the words of Scripture. Mm. Yeah, your, your, your theology is being shaped by more than you recognize. Right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially as it pertains to images and, and people who are portraying biblical characters and, yeah, and, and right. figures. Yeah. And, and we, we, those are things we have to think about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's not just images, but also architecture. Yeah. I mean, you think about everything that, everything. that we see. That's mm-hmm. why it is that it's critically important. This is my my big beef with Baptist is that historically, I mean, Baptist, if you go back in time, they had a, a far greater commitment to architecture than than what we see presently. Right. Presently, it's like, well, there's a strip mall. We'll just take a little building there, and, and it just looks like every other shop. Sure. Cell right. phone store next door, and then to the right, there's some vitamin shop, and then there's the church in between. Mm. 
you know, again, my love and appreciation for my Presbyterian brothers and sisters is that they have a commitment to architecture. Mm-hmm. They think through, like I mentioned Sproul a moment ago, you go to their, to, to you know, to the church there uh, in Florida where he pastored, and from the very moment that you arrive on that campus, you can tell that there was great intentionality put into the design of that building, mm-hmm. to that campus, in terms of beauty in terms of what you are thinking by what you see mm-hmm. and the shape of the auditorium, uh, the, the way that your eye would be drawn upwards to the beauty and, and everything that surrounds the pulpit, the robustness of the pulpit itself, everything mm-hmm. is, is putting on display the bigness, the sovereignty of God, the beauty of God. Right. So when we think about you know, stained glass— mm-hmm. And what we put in in the stained glass, mm-hmm. talking about images, it does matter. That's right. Yeah. You have to be, communicated. <clears throat> be very as, careful. As you were talking through that, my, my mind immediately, immediately went to Scripture that, that tells us that the very heavens declare the glory of God. Mm-hmm. E- even from a standpoint of God's common grace to mankind, we get a picture, an image of who God is, and theology can there be shaped by, yeah. right, general revelation, the general revelation of God. So, so we've, we've got all that, and then Scripture gives us even more you know, re- revelation of who God is. And then someone is going to pull from that and then add to that mm-hmm. and then put images on a screen with characters that you, your heart over time begin to be tied to. Right. That is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, and let me, let me dig into this a little more because one of the things you see out there by both Jenkins and other defenders is they'll say, well, this is, this is, just, this is similar to preaching, right? Preaching is not just the Bible. It's further explanation of the Bible. Uh, this is just a teaching a teaching tool. Well, there again, people fail to recognize the difference between words, whether printed and spoken, mm-hmm. that medium of communication, and the visual media. Mm. Visual does something different than words. Yeah. Uh, Paul could have advocated for drama in the New Testament as a wonderful, powerful means of communicating biblical truth, but he didn't. Right. In fact, we find him avoiding that sort of means of communication because God wants his truth communicated through words, words on the printed page, and yes, absolutely, words from the spoken mouth through preaching and teaching. That's different from the visual media. Visual media, I know I'm not a Luddite. I watch movies. I watch TV shows. I'm not saying it's sin, but it does do something different to us. Mm. It's far more visceral. Right. It, it affects us in, a, in an immediate sense, often bypassing our intellect and our mind. And again, I think there's a place for that. You're just, you want to watch something for entertainment's sake, that's one thing. But here are people saying this is supposed to be increasing our knowledge and love for Christ. Mm-hmm. Visual media does that in a very different way, again, that God has forbidden for a specific reason, because communicating truth about Christ through spoken and written words is communicating to our minds, which then shapes our heart and our inner conception of who God is in an appropriate way that God has ordained through his word. I want to pick up on something you and I were having a conversation earlier about, about what what would be the proper approach to, 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 you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm a a writer of a, uh, of a movie or screenplay or something like that, uh, in my estimation, I think that, that if you're, if you're dealing with the subject of scripture, if you're dealing with scripture, you, you probably would leave that alone. I think so. 
at the yeah. at, at the same time, there are ideas and applications that can be made from the scripture through through the visual arts in in proper ways. And you were you were talking about yeah. what, what some of those look yeah, like. Yeah, fine. So like like Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings. We're not trying to portray scripture. Right. But those authors, and then the movie versions, if you want to go there, are portraying uh, imaginary worlds, but communicating truth that's consistent with Scripture. Right. That's a legitimate use of art that doesn't try to say, well, here's Scripture and we're portraying Jesus, right? right? There's, there's a difference there. Right, right. I, I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. If, you, if, you're, if you're saying to, to someone, hey, probably not this— then, then what do you point them to? Yeah. You know, the, here, here's here's a here's a good uh, concept of what that of what that yeah. looks like. And so, as as uh, as we begin to kind of uh, wrap things up, I, I want to again just remind you all uh, of of the national conference uh, that's coming up uh, September 21st through the 23rd uh, here in Atlanta. We want you to join us. It, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic time. It's a time really for us to to, to reconnect uh, with one another. For us, it's it's almost like our family reunion. Uh, when we get a chance to connect. So definitely want you to get on uh, the website, g3men.org, register. In fact, when this uh, episode drops, as this episode uh, uh, goes live, we're we're coming close to a price change. Uh, So it would be important for you if you're thinking about getting the lowest price uh, to jump on today, uh, g3men.org, and and definitely register uh, for the conference. Uh, Absolutely. Anything you want to share? Yeah, I also want to uh, to remind you about the G3 Church Network. If your church is not part of the network, especially if you're a pastor, we encourage you to check us out as well as a church member. I'll let your pastor know about the network, a wonderful opportunity for mutual fellowship and encouragement among like-minded churches, as well as cooperation in issues like church planting. So check out g3min.org and click on the network link. Yeah. Well, as we wrap this up, Josh, I'm going to turn things back over to you to kind of put a bow on everything that we've discussed Mm. uh, as we think about these issues. I think we've done a good job, I think, in this conversation of hitting the the really big issues. Um, What what I would uh, sort of challenge people to think about as they hear this episode, they think about, okay, well, I've been watching The Chosen, or I I had a really big nativity scene in my front yard, and now you're (laughs) making me think twice about that. Um, I I would just help us to think about the fact that we are literally entertaining ourselves to death Mm -hmm. with all sorts of media, um, all sorts of movies, streaming services, you know, Disney Plus, and all sorts of things. VidAngel was mentioned earlier. Um, when it comes to the worship of God, when we come into the church to worship God corporately, there's a temptation to think about, well, we didn't do enough, and so my children were bored. Mm-hmm. Right. Is God really boring? Wow. Right. And is the revelation, the pure revelation of God's Word to His people, is that boring? Now, I will say... I have sat under some boring preaching. (laughs) I have sat under boring teaching. I have been guilty of preaching boring sermons at times. But the reality is... He he agrees with you. (laughs) (laughs) Not under my watch. Not under my watch. Scott, I'm going to preach a memorable sermon. Sounds good. I'll be be waiting for that. Yeah. Um, But the reality is is that when we actually give in to the need for this sort of graphical portrayal of Jesus. We are actually telling our family that the word of God is really not enough. That is exactly right. It's sort of boring. We need something to spice it up a mm-hmm. bit. 
that's a tragic mistake. That's right. That is a move away from the, the, the prescriptions of God's Word. It is a move away from Orthodox Christianity. And I'll just say it like this. The chosen is not biblical Orthodox Christianity. It's something that's dangerous. It's a threat to the true, pure theology of God's Word. It should be avoided. Yeah, brother, that's a good word. Appreciate that. Appreciate you all for joining us on this episode of the G3 Podcast. Join us next time.